Amen. Good morning. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Gabe. Man, we got a, uh, just a lot of people serving this morning. It's so exciting to see people engage. And I uh, just wanted to honor uh, somebody in particular. We try to mention just different people that are stepping up and serving um, because I believe that what is celebrated is repeated. And uh, so there's a young lady that uh, was one of my uh, teenagers uh, years ago in youth ministry, and uh, she is locked into our church. And just in this last month, she has volunteered to be uh, to be cleaning our church on Fridays. And so uh, her name's Patty. She's also uh, just serving like crazy down in the kids ministry. If you see Patty today, thank her for being a blessing to this place. Okay, that is how this place functions. Is she in here? She's in there. You better give Patty some hugs this morning. She is awesome. This is how we're going to move forward is, is with everybody grabbing a handle and, and, and moving this thing forward together and being obedient to God's call. So thank you. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for, for reminding us of that this morning. Well, welcome to week four of our Love Is series. The giant candy heart goes away. If anybody wants it, I will take the highest bidder after church, okay? So otherwise, I don't know what you do with a giant purple heart. But uh, anyways, uh, we are searching God's word, the Bible, for his definition of love. Uh, week one, who can tell me love is the greatest, the GOAT. We used a sports analogy, the greatest of all time. That's what GOAT stands for if you hear idiots on sports radio arguing about things. And God tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is the greatest. And we actually get a blueprint for what love looks like. And so love is kind, love is patient, and those type of things. Week two, we learned that love was united. And so we had, uh, we kind of focused on relationships, focused on marriage. And we had three couples up here, and they stood side by side. They stood back to back. They stood side by side in companionship. They stood side by side in, or back to back in teamwork. I'll get my story straight here. And then they stood face to face in intimacy. And those three pieces are required for any relationship to be healthy. Uh, last week, week three, we saw that godly love is sacrifice, right? All of our sermons can be found at our website, picktownfc.com. You do not want to miss a Sunday as we build up to our grand opening and Easter Sunday. This is going to be a fun month. I'm a movie junkie, and uh, one of my favorite series is Mission Impossible uh, because there's always a part of it that's just so ridiculous that we just get to laugh and say, no way, and thank you, Hollywood, for another creative uh, way to amuse us for a couple hours. But our series for March is Mission Possible because the Bible says that through God, all things are possible. And so your mission, you're going to like this, your mission, should you choose to accept it, see what I did there, is to be here next Sunday with a friend. Can you do that for me? So this is our last week of Love Is. Tell your neighbor, I think they saved the best for last. Tell your neighbor. Because we did. Love is the greatest. Love is united. Love is sacrifice. Week four, love is our identity. Um, if you want to go to 1 John 4 in your Bibles, uh, I've got some in the pews. We have a lot more seats than we had at the old church, so we're still working on adding Bibles. Um, but uh, if you brought some one with you, or your e-Bible on your phone, whatever you want to do, we're going to 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. 
who learned these in Sunday school like years and years ago? This was one of those things that I remember like getting. I think you had to teach this as a Sunday school teacher. Anybody there with me? First John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. Love is our identity. It is what defines us as children of God. If you read that verse again, it basically says anyone who loves is, and anyone who doesn't isn't. Is that clear? Like, the Bible really is pretty clear on a lot of things. So anyone who loves is, anyone who doesn't isn't. I think we need to go all the way back to the beginning on this one. Um, I can read this for you. If you want to go to Genesis 1, you can. We're going to fly around the Bible today. Lots of scriptures. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Our first big thought today is this. The image of God is not something that you possess. It's something that you are. It's not a possession that you can lose or have stolen. Have you ever been robbed? Has anybody in here, raise your hand if you've ever had something stolen from you. It is a lousy feeling. Did you get to beat up the person who stole it? And we're not talking about like your younger brother or sister, you know. Okay, so Danielle and I, we've been married, we're going on 23 years, yeah. And uh, 23 years, I know. But I bet most of you don't know that I asked her out for the first time in that foyer. Pretty cool. We went to uh, youth group here as, as kids and uh, when this was Trinity. So we get married. Both of us had lived at our each of our parents' house before that. And so we had our first apartment, little uh, one-bedroom, Stony uh, Creek over there on 256. Still there. Half the things from my childhood are demolished. That's when you know you're getting old. I had a Suzuki Samurai, which is basically a fake Jeep, but I was very proud of it. And like every good teenager, I knew how to spend my money wisely on things like stereo systems instead of <laughs> putting money away for more important things. I had a fantastic stereo system that was worth more than the car. Two days after being back from our honeymoon, I stand out on our little balcony because that distinguished, you know, some apartments that are just a little less crappy than other apartments, right? And I look out from my balcony, and I see the top just kind of dangling on my samurai. No more sound system. What a lousy feeling to have something stolen from you, right? But the image of God is not so much something that we bear. It's something 
that we are. Possessions can be given away, sold, lost, or stolen. Identity theft is a prevalent issue today, right? It's why I spend a lot of time trying to remember passwords and answering security questions like, what was your best friend's favorite color in the fourth grade? Like, I never know the answers that I made up three years ago. It's very frustrating. But identity theft, so I just make all my passwords the same, which is what you're not supposed to do. But identity theft is a bit of a misnomer because even if someone destroyed your credit, you would still be you at the end of the day, right? Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you. How could God know each of us before we were anything physically? How could he know who we are before we were substance? Because Genesis describes Father God, the Holy Trinity, saying this part of creation is going to be different from the rest. This part is going to have a peace of us. And the goal of heaven was so that they could look at all of us together and see a reflection of God. Have you ever seen a picture display, like especially like a jumbotron at a sporting event, and you have the few annoying pixels that are out? Or on your computer screen, or your hopefully your not your too recently purchased expensive high-def TV, but you have all these pixels, right? And they all form to make one image. Part of this word today is that we're each one of those pixels in a larger picture. You're significant because of what God has placed uniquely in you. Big thought number one, the image of God is not, is not something that we own. It's something that we are. Which leads us to our second big thought. No one can steal our God-given identity. But we can reject it by ignoring it or not believing it. It's still there. You can't lose it. You can't give it away. You can't sell it. And nobody can steal it. But you can reject it. Jesus knew this. John 10.10 says this. The thief's purpose, talking about Satan, the devil, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Nice fella. His mission hasn't changed, by the way. My purpose, Jesus is talking here, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus was known by Satan. Satan knew who he was. Romans 8.29 says this, that Jesus was supposed to be the firstborn of many sons. Firstborn of many. Satan's methods haven't changed. He tries to destroy us before God's image is ever seen in us. Can you look back at your life and see the enemy's plan to destroy your life? 
The older you are, the more you can look back and see the enemy's plan to make sure that God's image was never revealed in you. Right? Can you look back and see ways that he tried to destroy you? Absolutely. He tries to destroy us before God's image is ever seen in us, or he deceives us into rejecting it. Let's see him in action in Matthew chapter 4. This would be another good one to turn to because it's a, a few verses here. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. This is, a, this is called the temptation of Jesus. Before he entered into ministry, it says that he went and he fasted for 40 days. Let's go to Matthew 4, verse 1. Anybody else there already? Okay. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. One of the more profound verses in the entire Bible, okay? During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, just no, I love it. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. And Satan quotes scripture to Jesus. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. It's a good reason why we got to pay attention to the whole Bible. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Verse 10, there's a verse you need to memorize. It's right here. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. There's 11 verses there, but there's a phrase that's repeated that I think is very, very interesting. If you are the son. If you are the son. Your whole life is going to be challenged moments all over the place throughout your life where our enemy is going to come to you and say, if you are a son. Why? Satan is constantly attacking our identity. Big thought number one, the image of God is who we are, not something we own. Big thought number two, no one can steal our God-given identity, but we can reject it by ignoring it or not believing it. Jesus is famous for a phrase, many, but one of them in particular, not my will, but thine, your will be done. What was Jesus showing us? If you believe in the Trinity, he's part of God. He is God. So what was he 
displaying for us with all of those moments where he said, I'm doing what the Father would have me do, not my will, but his will. Even right before uh, the crucifixion, he said, take this cup from me, but if it's your will, God, I, I'm, still, I'm still in. What was he showing us? Sonship. Because he never forgot who he was. If you go a chapter before the story of the temptation in Matthew 3, it talks about Jesus being baptized. And in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, it says this. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. One of our saints went home to Jesus this week. Billy Graham is known for many phrases and many, uh, many quotes, but he said this, and it's powerful. Love your children and let them know you love them. Children who experience love find it far easier to believe that God loves them. Jesus knew who he was. In Matthew 3, it says, my beloved son. The word there is agapetos. And so we have this word agape, which is, the, which is the Christian. It's the Jesus love. It's the one that we really learned about last week, that love is sacrifice. Love says, I care more about you than I care about me. And it's the most difficult thing for us humans to do. It's completely unnatural to us. Except that it was placed on us when we were formed it's just hard to see beneath the junk, right? But that agapetos means worthy already. Worthy already. You're here because I love you. Tell your neighbor you're here because God loves you. Come on, it's good news. You're here because God loves you. The devil steals our worthiness he steals our identity or tries to. It really can't be stolen, but he can deceive you into believing it's not real. But the devil goes after our worthiness, our, our identity, so that we will search for love everywhere else. How many of us have, been, have spent part of our life searching? Yeah. Searching could have brought you here today, which is why we exist, is to welcome you home to Father God. You will not be home until you come back to him. Jesus was baptized before he performed any miracles or preached any sermons. And yet God, booming from heaven, says, my beloved son, had to sound like Charlton Heston, right? Or James Earl Jones. I mean, it has to be good. But my beloved son, I love you even though you haven't done anything for me yet. Your identity, my identity, is not wrapped up in works. It's because we are 
in him. And he is in us. This is the great lie of religion that most of the world has fallen for, including many that claim Christ. Because the enemy is so satisfied. If he can't kill you and keep you out of this, out of this church or any other church, then his next best thing is for you to play church and for you to take religion instead of a relationship. It's nothing you do or possess. It's something you are. So here's, this, here's Satan. He's trying to tempt Jesus. He's like, if you're God's son. Jesus is like, nice try. Not just his son, um, his beloved son. Right? As a dad, got dads in here, right? As a, as a mom, as a parent, if my children remain with me, now sometimes they grow up and they desert you and move to California and get married. I have to be okay with that. But for my kids, we, we've seen the story. Maybe it's part of your story where maybe you entered a period of rebellion and you rejected your parents or something like that. But as a dad, if my children remain with me, there is nothing I won't do to protect them or provide for them. I will run out of my breath trying. But they can reject me, right? They can choose to live outside my care. Satan always tries to kill first. Even as a baby, we know the Christmas story, but part of the story was the enemy tried to kill him as a baby. And it says that Joseph received a dream. We've got to go hide in Egypt for a while. This is talked about again at the very last book of the Bible, Revelation where it describes what's happening in the spiritual realm at the same time. And it describes a dragon, it says in Revelation 12, waiting for the baby to be born so it could take it out the moment it was born. Why? So that the sonship of Jesus could not be revealed to the world, right? If he can't kill us, then he tries to take our worthiness, our sonship. Listen to this. If he can't take your life, he is just as happy to take your value because you will still live like you are dead to God. It's the best thing I wrote in here. I'm going to say it again. If he can't take your life, he is just as happy to take your value, your worth, your identity, because then you will still live like you are dead to God. The world needs to see him in you. The world needs to see him in me. Do not minimize your significant piece of showing God to the world. How can one young person go into a school and kill other young person? They don't know that they're worth anything. Not just the people they're hurting, but themselves, right? They don't have value. 
this word is important, the sonship, the identity, the image of God, the mark of heaven on every person has to be revealed for that person to understand their value and who they are in God. We each make, we are each a pixel of a great picture of God. And if we dare operate out of sonship, I don't even know what the percentage is of my own life, but it's pitiful. When I really move and act like I'm a child of the king. Oh, you're sick? Let's lay hands on you. Oh, we have a need? Let's believe for it. Oh, that person needs to know Jesus. I'm going to share it. There's, there's nothing that can't come through me from heaven when I am believing that I'm attached to him. Right? Did man's fall into sin destroy or remove the image of God from humans? Did it remove it or destroy it? Either of those. Somebody said it. No, right? No. It only marred it and disfigured it. This is a crucial distinction since it is the image of God that makes us different from the rest of creation. You want some good news? The good news is that when God redeems an individual, he begins to restore the original image. Creating a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It says that in Ephesians 4.24. That redemption is only available by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior from the sin that separates us from God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Big thought number one. The image of God is who we are. Big thought number two, no one can steal your God-given identity, but you can reject it by ignoring it, maybe being ignorant of it, or not believing it. Big thought number three, you are God's beloved. There's a weight to that that is so hard for us to fully believe in. Because everything else in our life says that we, our value is based in what we do. And that word says you're worthy already. He loved you before you did anything for or against him. He knew you before he formed you. He placed his image on your soul and my soul, and it's still there today, which leaves us with a question. But do you really know who you are today? Can we pray? Father God, I thank you for this series.
Father God, I thank you that you are the author of love. I thank you that love is the greatest. I thank you that love is united. God, I thank you that love is sacrifice. But Father God, if we don't know this truth you revealed to us today, we will be lost at sea looking and looking and looking. Love is our identity. If you've never seen yourself as a child of God and you're ready to come home to him today, you're ready to cross that line of faith, you're ready to choose to follow him, the Bible says we need to be saved from something to something. You don't just need a Savior, you need a Savior and Lord. So you're not just accepting his grace, you're also accepting his leadership over your life. If you've never done that before, or it's been a long time and you've been away from home, and today's your day, would you raise your hand where you're at? I want to pray with you. I see that hand. God bless you. Let's just pause right here for a minute. It's the most important thing we do. Prayer of repentance and acceptance of Jesus goes something like this. There's no script for it. But it should include repentance. Father God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I've not lived for you. I need you to forgive my sins. And I thank you for doing so. Father God, I... I'm not qualified to run my life. And so I choose to put my heart back in the hands of the one that created it and give you permission to lead me and be my Lord and Savior today. Thank you for loving me. Amen. If sonship or daughtership, making up words here, this is something that separates the person, the average Christian that sits in a pew and 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 really likes what they are and and is a is happy to be a part of things. All I can tell you is that there's another level, there's another gear, there's 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 something more than that. And many of you in this room get that. If you want to take a step into sonship today and, and just allow Father God to, to truly be dad and for you to truly be son or daughter and what that looks like, it'll change how you pray, it'll change how you talk, it'll change how you interact with people, it'll change what you believe for, it'll change what you give, it will change everything. Can we stand and worship today?